Hey, Hope City Church, this is Pastor Jason, and I want to tell you just first of all that I miss you. I do. I really miss you. Uh, Andrew and I were talking this week about just how we can't wait to be together again, laugh together, cry together, maybe hug each other. And I don't know when we're going to be allowed to do that, like the non-social distance thing, but just know whenever that happens, I'm hugging every one of you. I mean, I'm, I'm going total hugger. It's going to be crazy. The amount of hugs I'm going to be giving out. So just get ready because that's happening. Uh, I'm, I'm going all hugger mode on everybody. Uh, but in all seriousness, I miss you. I want you to know I'm praying for you, praying for your family, praying for your marriage, praying for just you and, and really praying that God is, is doing something in your life significant. I think if we're not careful when we're not in the habit of going to church, uh, we can maybe fall into the habit of uh, not maybe having that passionate relationship with God that we want to have. And so we love this. We love technology. We're going to continue to maximize technology, but but I think we all agree. Pastor Joe, Pastor John has been telling me as they've been talking to you, I think we all agree. It's going to be pretty special whenever, whenever we're able to, to worship together again. Now, uh, I want to make sure you know, speaking of together again, that, that July 4th, hopefully you saw the update, we're having our first uh, get together. It's not a service. It's an event. It's a, it's a party. We're just going to hang out. We got fireworks, bring some food. It's going to be a good time, some games. And so that's happening like 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. on the backfield at our South Louisville location. That's July 4th. And then we're hoping, I can't give you an official date yet, but we're hoping that in July we will be able to get together again and have some amazing Hope City services. So be looking out for all that. We'll make sure to put all that information up whenever we have official dates. It's going to be a really special time. Now today, speaking of special, I'm excited to share a message with you. I'm not going to be preaching it to you, but I'm excited to be sharing it with you uh, because it is an amazing message by a pastor named Miles McPherson. He pastors the Rock Church in San Diego, which is an amazing church. And uh, he wrote a book called The Third Option. He actually released it last year, but I think it's more relevant now than ever. And, and the book is about race and conversations about race and racism and how society kind of tries to put us in one of two camps and you feel like you got to kind of stand your ground in one or the other but there's a third option and that's love and that's honor it's really an amazing book i just finished it on audible uh on the last road trip i was on really great book and so he has been teaching these messages to his church and i was able to watch one of those messages about blind spots and when i heard it i said i want hope city to hear this message i want hope city to hear this because it impacted me I think it's gonna impact you. And so we were actually gonna start a new series today and I called our team after I heard this message and I said, hey, let's push everything back a week because I want Hope City to hear this message. So we talked about blind spots last week, Psalm 139, point out anything in me. David said to God, that is offensive. We've been praying that prayer, asking God to help us with that. And this message is gonna continue that conversation. So we'll pick up our new series next week. But this week, I want you to hear from Pastor Miles McPherson about blind spots. Be blessed by this, and I can't wait till we're together again. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that walks with us every day, encourages us every day, teaches us every day. And I pray you teach us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, by the way, um, if you do not follow me on social media, please, at Miley Fierce and follow me, because I'm going to be doing regular little devotionals, lessons from sermons, lessons from the book for the next umpteen weeks to, to just give little nuggets of this book to help educate people at Miles McPherson, at Miles McPherson, uh, all my platforms, and we're going to be going through this book as well. 
Listen, get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. On the count of three, say word. One, two, three, say word. And uh, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Um, how many of you, by a show of hands, I know I can't see you, but how many of you, by a show of hands, saw the movie Remember the Titans? Remember the Titans. It is the best football movie, arguably the best movie ever made in the history of the galaxy. It's a, it's a movie about a white football team in Virginia that was desegregated. Black team came over, and Denzel Washington was the coach of the black team that joined the white team. Obviously, it was, it was uh, cultural chaos because this all-white school, all-white team was uh, desegregated, and all these black kids came to school, and it was drama, and the team was stuck together. And if any, you know anything about football, football's family. Football is family. So these guys who weren't family had to become family. Make a long story short, over a long period of time, they were undefeated, won a state championship, and it was great, but there was a scene in the movie where one of the white players who happened to come from California, so he didn't understand all the racism stuff on the East Coast and the South, was, his name was Sunshine. He had long blonde hair, Sunshine, Sunshine, that's what they called him. And he's walking down the street with Petey and Blue. Petey and Blue are both black, they're from Virginia. Sunshine's from California. He doesn't get segregation, he don't get racism, he don't get it. So they're walking down the street and Sunshine said, let's go in this bar and get a drink. You know, I have soda or whatever, but it was still a little restaurant, uh, restaurant thing. And Petey and Blue said, we can't go in there. This is Virginia, you don't understand. He said, no, no, it's gonna be cool. Sunshine didn't get it. And he was like, no, we can go in, we can go in. And they were telling him, we can't go in there, this is Virginia. And anyway, they kind of just walked in and, they, and Petey and Blue, the black players who understood the culture and the racism and the segregation were kind of like behind Sunshine like this because they knew something was going to happen. And Sunshine walks in, hey, can we get a seat? And the manager comes over, white guy comes over and goes, uh, we don't have any seats. And Sunshine says, well, I see seats all over the room. He goes, we don't have any seats. And something like that, and they had to leave. And soon they got outside, Petey and Blue started yelling at Sunshine saying, we told you, we told you. And Blue said about Sunshine, he didn't know. He had a blind spot. He didn't know what he didn't know. Today I want to talk about blind spots. A lot of people can make comments about people of different ethnicities, of different backgrounds, of different cultures. And a lot of times we say things that we don't even know what we don't even know. And we're offending people and we don't even know it. And it's very important for all of us to understand if we are going to walk in harmony and honoring and exercising the third option with people, where we honor what we have in common, we're going to have to acknowledge that we all have blind spots. There are things about other people that you don't know what you don't know. If you do a little review from last week, I talked about that everybody has an in-group or multiple in-groups and out groups, men are a group, women are a group. I'm an in group for men, but I'm on the out group of women. And whatever you have about your in group, you understand your in group. You understand the, the, the variations of the people in your in group. I can look at football players and I understand the variations of football players, but baseball players, I don't know that well. Same thing with black versus white. I understand black people a lot better than white people because that's who I've hung out with, that's what I am. But by definition, you are ignorant to a lot of the things of the people in your out group. Those are blind spots. You don't even know what you don't even know. 
And so it's very important for all of us to understand we have blind spots about people in our ethnic outgroup by definition. And if you understand that, it'll help you be a willing learner, a humble listener. If you take a humble position that I know there's things I don't even know, I don't even know. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Judge not that you not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? In other words, you're trying to look at some little, little splinter in someone else's life, but yet you got this forest growing out of your face. <laughs> and then it says, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, the plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Another way of saying it is that your blind spot is the gap between the intent of what you say or do and the impact of what you say or do. What you need to understand is that you can be racially offensive and not necessarily be racist. And what I mean by that is that you may not have racist intent in your heart, but the impact of what you do is offensive. Perfect example, when someone says, hey, I don't see color. A lot of people say that. But one, it's a lie. You do say it because the only time you say it is when you're looking at or talking to or about someone of different color than you. So obviously you see it. I know a lot of people say, well, what I'm trying to say is that I treat everybody the same. That's your intent. But the impact to people of color is, at least to this one, and a lot of I know, is that you are saying you ignore what all this is. You ignore the burden of what this carries and what comes with having this color. And so that's a blind spot. I'm, I'm, my intent is to build bridges, but my impact is that I'm actually creating a fence. I want to read something to you from my book. I have uh, two chapters. This is the only subject I have actually two chapters on is blind spots because I so, think it's so big. If you can get past this and realize, man, there's a lot I don't know. And by the way, you'll learn the rest of your life. I'm 60 years old, and I just learned the day George Floyd was killed, the, more clearly, the nature of the burden of racism in my life all my life. I, I never saw it as powerlessness. I, 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 I know I know that, but I didn't put that word on it. You're going to learn the rest of your life, and if you have a, hum, a, a humble heart to always want to learn and, and never get to where I know, you know, I'm not this, I'm this, your blind spot is what's going to get you in trouble. But if you are willing to learn, I'm going to read something to you because some of these may hit you. I have nine of them in my book on, uh, in, in, in chapter six. I claim I don't have a racist bone in my body, but resist letting certain people get too close to my family. In other words, I'm a root for you on a football team, but don't date my daughter. That's, that's, a, that's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. I claim all people are equal, but in my heart, I believe my ethnicity is superior to others. I wonder how many of you always want to invite your friends over your house, but you ain't going over their house, <laughs> right? And by you having at their, them at your house, you think we're good, but not good enough for you to go to their house. That's a blind spot. I claim all people are equal, but I feel 
and act inferior to certain people because I have internalized the views of my critics. I wonder how many of you out there are calling yourself names that your critics call you, or you're living down to what your critics say. That's a blind spot. I resent being the victim of discrimination and stereotyping, but I have no problem doing it to others. That you have no problem saying, listen, I'm not going to stereotype you, but I'm a, I, I can do it to others as long as it's not done to me. I claim all people are God's children, but treat some like they belong to another family. This is probably most prevalent seen in the church. Because in the church, we say, oh, we love everybody, and, and, and everyone's part of God's children, yet 97, 96% of churches are segregated. I ain't going to that church. I was talking to a guy who, uh, a very uh, successful, if you will, white man, and we were talking about this very thing. And he says, I wouldn't even go to a black church to, if I went into a black church just to be there, I would want to have to get out as soon as possible. And yet he will say he's not a racist. He has a blind spot, right? He has a blind spot. And he said he would feel like, I, you know, these people would be saying this about me, and yet we're all God's children. There's a, there's a, there's a disconnect there between those two things. I am, un, I am an unintentional participant in a bigoted system, so I am insulated from the guilt of the bigotry. We all agree that media is biased. All media is biased. And when you watch, whatever media outlet you watch, they all have a slant and they make their money on division. That's a, that's a fact about them. So once you choose one, there's some bias to it. But you can't assume innocence if you are buying into their bias as though it's not yours. Just as long as you're aware, and, and my encouragement to you is to watch several media outlets and get all the different perspectives and then pray, Lord, reveal to me what you want me to know. But if you're, if you're, if you're watching, one, for an example, one media outlet or one school of thought, and you're saying, well, I'm not guilty because that's them. No, it's you now. Number eight, I claim that because racism doesn't impact me, it doesn't exist or at least to the degree that many people say it does. Uh, some people think, well, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't feel it, so it doesn't exist. There was a white couple who adopted a black kid. They were getting ready to adopt a black kid. And they were always around white people, and they were, you know, pretty around their racial in-group all the time. But yet they were going to bring these two African-American kids in their family, which is fine. I've got a problem with that. But they were assuming that because I don't, we don't have racism in my life, it doesn't exist, so my kids are going to be fine. And another black couple came to them and said, are you ready for what you're going to get? And they said, well, it's going to be fine because their world was fine until they brought these kids. Then they found out about all the racial bias in their friends and family. But they previously thought, well, if, it's not, if I don't experience it and I don't talk about it, then, it's, then it, doesn't, it's, it doesn't exist as bad as what you say because I don't experience it. Don't be deceived that what your experience is is the reality for everyone. And then the last blind spot, and this is probably the worst one of them all. I don't have any blind spots. You may think, I'm good. <laughs> Whoo, that's a blind spot. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we're all sinners. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, 
The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You and I don't even know how deceitful you are. I do not know how deceitful I am. I am more arrogant than I think, more deceitful, more egotistical than I think, more prideful than I think, because my heart tells me, oh, that you're, not, you're not that bad, you're not that bad. My heart is lying to me. Your heart's lying to you. So we, if we stay humble before God and say, God, I don't know why those people are doing that, but I want to know. What am I missing? I have these opinions about these people. What do I know? I want to, if you stay, if you ask God to break your heart for what breaks his heart, well, God will do it and he will show you and he will transform you. So three things. One, uh, you have to admit you have a plank. <laughs> admit there is a plank in your eye. I mean, I just read a bunch. You just say, Lord, I have blind spots. In other words, I don't know everything. Social narrative is the story that shapes how you see the world. You were born to a specific family, in a specific hospital, in a specific neighborhood, with a specific school, with, a speci with specific friends, relatives, pain, pleasure, blessings, and curses, in the sense of bad things in your life. And all of that information shapes how you see the world. It, it informs how you interpret the news. It interprets how you see other people, what you think about other people, what you've heard, and all that data that you've received from your environment will shape how you see. It will develop a prescription for how you see everything. If I take this off, everything's blurry. But if I put the prescription on, it brings everything into focus for me. Your social narrative is the story that shapes how you see the world. Every single one of you was born into a specific family, neighborhood, school, friends, pain, pleasure, blessings, and curses in the sense of bad things in your life. And all that information was input into your brain, into your heart, and it determines how you see the world, how you interpret the news, how you interpret those people, what you think about those people, and what you think about yourself. And that social narrative developed a prescription through which you see everything. The problem is you are one of seven billion people or so, and there are seven billion social narratives. Arrogance says my social narrative and my perspective is the right one. That's a blind spot. It's a blind spot to think that seven billion people are wrong and you are right. It's the right thing to do is say, Lord, I admit that there's a plank in my eye. I admit there's things I don't know. Number two is that you have to understand the nature of your plank. In other words, what has your social narrative taught you? Do you understand what you think about those people? Have you ever really thought about what it is and why it is? I was in a restaurant. Um, my wife and I were in a restaurant in an upscale neighborhood. We, we do vacation. That's the one thing we invest in is our time together. So we were in this, you know, nice neighborhood here in California along the beach, and this white kid comes over to us and good-looking kid, very well-spoken, very polite. And I had an assumption about him. I had, but based on my social narrative, I had a conversation in my head about what I thought about him. Came from a rich family, he's up here in a rich neighborhood, he got, his parents got him a job. These were all assumptions in my head. Now, if you were here last week, I talked about this, having a race consultation in your mind, that when you see somebody, you automatically make assumptions. Your brain goes there even before you can think about it, but you need to suspend those thoughts until you gather information. 
Okay, you, you may see somebody, oh, that's a black person. You can't not say, you can't not acknowledge that, but then suspend your conclusions until you talk to them. So we started talking to him. He's a great kid. I couldn't, not want, I couldn't stop talking to him, even though he was trying to serve us. And I said, hey, what do you do? He says, well, I'm uh, training to go into the military. I said, how do you train to go into the military? He says, well, I'm working out with some Navy SEALs, getting ready to go into the military. He had, he had run track in college. Uh, he went to Arizona State, and he was going to go into the Navy as an officer. And I was like, man, you're an amazing kid. You're a servant. You're, you're, you're respectful. You're polite. You're in shape. You're on track. And I said, man, I want to I write your, kid, your parents a note. And so I'm thinking I'm going to write his parents a note. And then God said to me, before you t say that, ask him who raised him. I said, all right. So I said, who raised you? He said, well, because I want to send your mother a note. He said, well, I don't have a relationship with my mother. I was like, what about your dad? He said, well, I left my house at 14. I slept on my neighbor's friend's couch and then went to college and ran track, and now I'm going to Navy to be a SEAL. I was like, I had it all wrong. <laughs> I had it all wrong. You have to understand the nature. What judgments do you make about people, and are you able to suspend your judgments? Who in your life can confront you? If you have somebody in your life that's of different ethnicity, you should ask them, is there anything about you, what you say, what you do, that's offensive to them? Just go up and say, hey, is there anything I say that's racially offensive? Uh, this is, this is, this is going to get you guys a little, little nervous. Guys, go up to the ladies in your life and ask them, is there anything you do that, makes, that, that they feel is creepy? Because <laughs> I know every woman I know knows a creepy dude, and it could be you. You probably know it because you're creepy on purpose, but that's another story. So you need to understand the nature of your, understand the nature of your plank in your eye, your blind spot. And if you understand that, imagine how God would honor you. If you say, God, show me what I don't know, he will open up your eyes. Third, the removal, not protection, of your blind spot is going to bring unity. Don't try to defend yourself. If someone corrects you, don't try to defend yourself. Just say, I apologize. That's it. Just let it go. Be a listener. Be a learner. Be a lover. When Sunshine was walking down the street with PD and Blue, they just come out of the restaurant, the bar, whatever it was, and he said, Sunshine said to PD and Blue, I didn't know. And then Blue said, he didn't want to know. They tried to tell him. They said, Sunshine, we can't go in there. We can't go in there. I'm talking about Remember the Titans, we can't go in that thing. It's racist down here. And he said, no, we can do it. He didn't listen. He was already convinced my opinion is right and you guys don't know. Matter of fact, he even said, y'all worried about, you know, don't worry about it. Y'all worried too much. He was already convinced that his opinion was right. He didn't want to know. Please don't have that kind of heart. If you can be a lifelong learner and allow God to continually to open up your eyes. I want to read a story to you. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus heals a guy who was blind. He couldn't see. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hand on him, and he asked him, could he see anything? He said, I look, he said, he looked up, and he said, I see men walking like trees. I see men look like trees. And then he put his hands on him again and made him look up again a second time. And he was restored and saw clearly. God has to touch us over and over 
and over again. Don't think you got one black friend, you got one white friend, you got one Italian friend or whatever it is, and you know everybody. No. That's a blind spot. That's a blind spot. Let God continually to open up your eyes, give you clarity about who you are, about who they are, how similar you are, and watch what God does in your life. I want to pray for you in a minute because I know a lot of you are in a journey. We're all in a journey to get to know how to love one another and honor one another. We are in a battle that the devil wants to rip us apart and create us first, them, us first, them. I'm telling you the third option is that we honor what we have in common. And we have to humble ourselves and learn in order to do that. So I want to pray that you would say to God today, Lord, I repent of my pride. Whatever that means to you, I surrender what I know about myself to what I don't know about you, God. Break my heart for what breaks your heart. So let's all bow our heads and pray. Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters watching all the different kinds of people that you made beautiful in your sight. The devil is stirring up division and hate and anger amongst all of us, but you will bring us together. So I pray for everyone listening that this will be a moment that you say, God, I humble myself before you, open the eyes of my heart that I may see what you see, love like you love, understand like you understand, and accept the fact that it is a lifelong process. If you would like to surrender your life to Christ, surrender your blind spots to Christ, your ego to Christ, your pride, your pain, your hurt, your, your bitterness, pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I don't know what I don't even know, but I do know you love me, that you have an amazing plan for my life. So I surrender my life to you. I surrender my pain to you. I surrender my heart to you. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Give me love unconditional for my brothers and sisters that don't look like me. In Jesus' name, amen.